Jesus gave us some direction. He said, okay, Olu, you're the salt of the earth. That means you're supposed to be a sign. People should be able to look at you and see Jesus Christ and the relationship that Christ has with the world. That should be evident in my talk, in my walk, in my actions, in my attitude, in the conversations that I bring up. I'm also supposed to be the light of the world, meaning I'm supposed to reveal to the world what the standard is. That means I'm supposed to give meaning to things that happen in life. So when situations happen and people start talking, hey, you heard about that thing that happened, that guy who was locked up in that room and he had them four kids with him? And that's just a terrible thing that happened. That's just, I can't believe that happened. What in the world? I tell you, this world's going crazy. That's an opportunity for me, being in the body of Christ, to now give meaning to what they saw. To give meaning to these topics that are happening in the world today. Hey, you know what? That is terrible. And it's, what's more terrible is the fact that that doesn't happen every day. What keeps everybody from doing that? You know, what is that? It's only the grace of God that that's not me, that won't you. And now I have opportunity to reveal to them and show and bear witness to Christ the standard. Even in that atrocity, I can do that. Why? Because that's what I'm here for as a light. Welcome to the Followers of the Way podcast for June 17th. 2018. Today, Pastor Olu brings us a message called World Engines, Daniel, Think Differently, Salt, Light, and Lambs. Pastor Olu continues on the story of Daniel and how God dealt with King Belshazzar's sin. Pastor Olu says that Daniel didn't need to worry about the outcome of King Belshazzar's evil deeds because God had the final judgment and say-so in the situation. Pastor Olu reminds us that even when we see injustices or evil deeds in our leaders or society, there's no need to worry, because God is the final judge in the situation. Instead, we are to pray for our leaders and be salt and light in this world that we live in. Now, he'll be reading from the book of Daniel, so grab your Bible and follow along with us as we explore God's word here on Followers of the Way. Daniel chapter 5, two weeks ago. We were talking about Belshazzar and the situation that he was in. I'm not going to spend too much time recapping what went on, but I just want to bring up the fact that in verse 22, Daniel 5:22, turn with me there. And this kind of sums up the message a couple of weeks ago. This is Daniel talking to Belshazzar. And thou, his son, O Belshazzar, hast not humbled thine heart, though you knew all of this. Verse 23, but has lifted up thyself against the Lord of heaven. And they have brought the vessels of the house before thee and thou and thy lords and thy wives and concubines and have drunk wine in them. And thou hast praised the gods of silver, gold, brass, iron, wood, stone, which see not, hear not, know not. And the God in whose hand thy breath is and whose are all thy ways hast thou not glorified. We talked about when Daniel came up on him, he let him know that, hey, you knew all this. You knew the one true God. You knew what your grandfather Nebuchadnezzar uh, uh, talked about God and said about God. You knew all this, but even though you knew it, you did not learn from it. And we looked at the difference between knowing and learning. The difference is in learning, there is humility and there is action. Humility is that inward part and action is that outward part. We also talked about where there is no change, there is no learning. And so learning, if I learn something, there is some type of change that must take place. And so where there is no learning, there is no change. And so the response for us, according to the week when we preached, was that as I study the word of God, 
as I become closer to God, as I learn more about my responsibility as a Christian, as a follower of Christ, there should be a change that happens in my life. I should respond different. I should look different. I should act different. And so that brings us to where we are today. Still looking at Belshazzar, and as Daniel was talking to them, in that verse we read, Daniel told him, you do not honor the God who holds in his hand your life and all your ways. And we talked about the theme of the book of being God is sovereign. And remember, God is sovereign, not Nebuchadnezzar. That's what the whole thing about this book is, the sovereignty of God. And being that God is sovereign, not Nebuchadnezzar, matter of fact, not any ruler or any president or king or queen God is. And the sovereignty of God is basically that God is over all, all the time. I'll write that down. God's sovereignty says that God is over all, all the time. That's pretty much sums up the sovereignty of God. And so when we look at that, regardless of what goes on in whoever seems to be sovereign in your life, be it your boss, be it your parents, be it the cops, be it the president, no matter who it is who appears to have sovereignty at that time, the scripture tells us that God is sovereign over all, all the time. So regardless of what those leaders do, think about the uh, presidents or the kings, regardless of, of a president's actions or antics, be it good or bad, regardless of what happens, we as the body of Christ need to understand that God is sovereign over all. No matter who it is, from Trump to Obama to Kennedy, when Trump said what he says or does what he often does, the, the nonsense sometimes that comes out of his mouth, no need to panic, no need to stress because God is over all, all the time. Other presidents, Lyndon B. Johnson, when he was in the White House, they got him on tape calling black folks nigga this and nigga that and, and making policies that go against black folks. God is over all, all the time. When Hitler was doing his atrocities over there in Germany, the millions and millions of Jews who were killed and slaughtered and abused God is over all, all the time. When King Leopold, you heard a lot about him, but King Leopold of Belgium, he went to a country in Africa called Congo, and the Congolese people, he murdered, slaughtered about 10 million of those people. 10 million people. And all those atrocities and all those things, we need to understand what God is saying is that I am sovereign. I am over all, all the time. And so the question becomes, well, what does that mean to us? What does that mean in light of our, our leaders' sinful humanity, a society's response to certain issues? What does that mean for the body of Christ? How should we respond in that? We see our leaders, they're doing things they shouldn't, they're saying things they shouldn't, they're responding in ways, things are happening across the board. What is my response in Babylon, according to the Bible? Well, we need to be like Daniel. And that's what this whole thing's about. How did Daniel approach Belshazzar? He was doing a great atrocity. He was, he was pretty much spitting in the face of God, like straight up. He went in and he said, hey, where are those, um, those cups and bowls of this Hebrew God that my grandfather is so scared about? Go get them. Let's drink them and toast to our gods. So he was doing an amazing atrocity right there. And how did Daniel approach? We talked about it. Daniel came in standing for righteousness, standing for justice, and with biblical integrity. And so as Daniel, that should be our response. Cross the board, whether you agree or don't agree, whether it's with your party or not with your party, 
We need to, as a body of Christ, make sure that we stand for righteousness, we stand for justice, and we always stand for biblical integrity. And in that, our responsibility is to condemn unrighteousness. That's what Daniel did. Daniel came in and said, you knew what you're supposed to do. You did not. And Daniel's main thing against him was that he did not glorify God. Now, you might think, well, that's crazy. We're talking about a pagan king here. Why was that held against him? That he did not glorify God. Well, as Daniel said, because God is in control, because God is sovereign, it does not matter if you're a pagan or believer. Our responsibility is to honor God and to glorify God. And so Daniel came in and he condemned the unrighteousness. He condemned the injustice. He condemned the rejection of biblical integrity. And so our response to the body of Christ, we should challenge our leaders, not just the ones you don't agree with, but even the ones we do agree with. We should challenge them whenever righteousness, justice or biblical integrity is challenged within the context of the kingdom. I was thinking about John the Baptist. John the Baptist, the New Testament, uh, he was preaching, you know, the kingdom of God is at hand. So teaching people about God is coming. We should do right. And then at that time, one of the kings had done something wrong. As a matter of fact, the reason why John the Baptist got killed was because he got slaughtered because of he was messing with, I think that's what it was, messing with his brother's wife and he had married her and they had a child and all this kind of stuff. And everybody was acting like it was cool. John the Baptist came out and he preached against it. He said, you know what you're doing is wrong. He stood in the face of his leaders at that time and he held them accountable to biblical integrity. He held them accountable to righteousness and to justice. And so in light of that scripture, our responsibility is to do that also. It's interesting because God has a limit how far um, he'll let man go with sin. And that's what was happening right here. God has said that's enough. That's enough of what was going on. It's time to judge you. And he came to Belshazzar and the handwriting on the wall was God saying, that's enough. It's time for judgment to come upon this house in Babylon. So don't get stressed. Sometimes, you know, and I, and I myself, I find myself in it. Sometimes I get a little, not stressed, but get a, get a little, uh, just start thinking a bit about how people who aren't living right, people who are actually purposely living wrong, how they seem to be prospering. And they seem to be, things seem to be going right for them. You know, things don't seem to be going wrong. We're like, but look at what they're doing. They're straight up living like a heathen. And all this stuff is just going, going great with them. And I'm trying to do right. And I'm struggling. Like, what's the deal? We have to understand, don't stress out when it looks like someone is getting away uh, with sin. Because the Bible says that God is going to take care of all sin one day, including yours. So we have to understand that. Turn with me to the book of Psalm, chapter uh, 98. And Psalm 98, by the way, I got my King James Version today. So we're going to be hearing some thou's and these and thus's. Psalm 98.9 says this, Before the Lord, for he cometh to judge the earth, with righteousness shall he judge the world and the people with equity. Talking about the Lord, for he cometh to judge the earth, with righteousness shall he judge the world and the people with equity. This verse tells us that God is going to judge. What does judge mean? He's going to pronounce a sentence. 
The sentence is going to be to punish or to execute judgment. He's going to do that to the earth. So God is going to judge the earth. How is he going to judge the earth? He will judge the world with righteousness. Righteousness has to do with what is right. And he'll judge the peoples with equity. I like that word. We talked about it. I think we were going through Hebrews. We talked about that word equity. And that has to do with being straight. And so when you look at that, equity has to do with being straight or level. Everyone is being treated proportional to their actions, to their thoughts, to their intentions. Uh, it has the idea of having a level playing field. And so God is going to treat me the same way he treats him based on the same standard. And so when we look at how God judged the world, he's going to judge the earth with justice in the sense of fairness. That means it's going to be with a level playing field and also in a sense of uprightness, a straight standard. So this is how God deals with people. We're talking about how God's going to judge the earth. So how does God deal with the good, the bad, the ugly, the wonderful, the beauty? The Bible says that he treats us all the same. He deals with people fairly and according to a standard. Fairly and according to a standard. And so when someone goes outside of that standard, God will judge. And he's not going to judge Olu different than he judged Janiah because Olu's older, Janiah's younger, or because Olu's this and Janiah's that. No, the Bible says that he judges fairly. So what does that mean? Well, that means that, and that has, by the way, that has pros and cons. Okay, so that means that when I line up to his standard, regardless of any other thing, if I'm lining up to his standard, okay, that means I'm not under his judgment at that time. And so God deals with people fairly and according to a standard. Therefore, that's what equity means. Therefore, inequity or iniquity, as we call it, is treating people unfairly, meaning on an unlevel playing field, and according to no standard or according to a relative standard. That means I change the standard. That means for Tally, uh, I, change, I have these rules for her, but for Naya, I have a whole new set of rules for her. That's changing the standard. Okay, and that's not how God deals with people. And so when we look at that in light of Daniel, in light of Babylon, the question comes to me is, what is our response? What is our response to our leaders? What is our response to each other when it comes to how God deals with people and how we should deal with people? Well, if God deals with people fairly and according to a standard, that means by response, I have to also deal with people fairly and according to a standard. And if I do not do that, treat them with equity, that means I'm treating them iniquity, which is uh, sin. There was a quote by this guy named Jah Elul, all right? 1948, he wrote this book, uh, and he had a quote. I'll read it for you. It says, what part should the Christian play in these questions? And so the question is, when there is injustice, when there are leaders, when there is society and society is doing something wrong or our leaders are doing something wrong. Our leaders aren't being fair. Our leaders are not lining up to a standard. So we look at Belshazzar. How did Daniel respond? Daniel walked into Belshazzar and says, hey, you're not honoring God. You're not glorifying God. You're not living up to God's standards. Therefore, God is going to judge you. Something has to change. You did not learn. You did not change. And so our response to us as the body of Christ, how should we respond when we see the same thing? When we see either our leaders or society or someone we know treating someone not like God does, fairly or 
uh, according to a certain standard. And so in that, and matter of fact, when he wrote this, when Jacques, Jacques wrote this, it was during World War II. And he was looking at how the resistance, the French resistance to World War II. And it was kind of a struggle back then because you had these powers who were doing these things. And then we had a lot of bad stuff going on. And his question was, as a Christian, how do we respond when we see bad stuff going on? And he wrote this. What part should the Christian play in these questions? First of all, it is not for him to define the problems in the same terms as those who have no faith. It is not for him to tinker with futile attempts at technical or moral solutions. His job, the Christian's job, is to discover the real spiritual difficulties which every political or economic situation contains. So far as a solution is concerned, it cannot be a rational one. It can only be a solution in terms of life. What Jacques was saying was that when we see these problems, when we see these issues, when we see these situations that are in the news, that are going on, or that we see in our life, we cannot respond to them like people who aren't saved. We can't respond to them like our political leaders respond. We cannot respond to them how the media responds. We have to respond looking at what is the real spiritual difficulties that's going on and how do I respond biblically. What does God say about this? That should be our every mantra. That should be a sign we should write somewhere and put it in front of our eyes so everywhere we go, no matter what decision I make, how do I respond? How do I look at this? How do I act here? What does the Bible say? And our responsibility is to think biblically. And the key there is that we can't respond like other people. We can't because we're not other people. The Bible says we're peculiar people. And so how do we respond? Well, Jesus tells us, those of us who are followers of Christ, those of us who have given him ourselves, those of us have put our trust in him, those of us who say, you know what, I'm going to start lean, stop leaning on my own way, and I'm going to start leaning on you, Jesus, and start trusting in you for my life, for my salvation, for my decisions. Those of us who made that decision, the Bible gives us three ways to don't let us know how our response is and who we are. The first one, the Bible says, turn with me in your Bibles to Matthew chapter five. We've talked about these. We're going to go over them again. Matthew chapter five. What is our response in Babylon when we see Belshazzar going into the temple and taking out God's vessels and abusing God and condemning God? What's our response when we see atrocities going on? We see things that don't line up biblically. Well, Jesus tells us a couple of things that we are. The first one in Matthew chapter 5, verse 13, he says, You, this is his Sermon on the Mount, ye are the salt of the earth. But if the salt have lost its savor, wherewith shall it be salted? It is therefore good for nothing but to be cast out and to be trodden under the foot of men. The first response is that who are we as the body of Christ? Who are we in Babylon? The Bible tells us that we are the salt of the earth. That's the first one. Now, we know some, and we talked about that, we know some qualities of salt, but I want you to keep your finger there in Matthew 5 and turn back to Leviticus chapter 2 because this is what Jesus was referring to. Keep it there in Matthew 5 and turn back to Leviticus 2. 
In Leviticus 2, we're in the book of Leviticus, 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 wow, so we're in the Old Testament, so we're talking about the offerings. And so God was telling the children of Israel, how do you do these sacrifices? When you sacrifice to me, when you honor me, when you come before me, this is things you should do because I'm changing stuff up here. I got this new group of people that I'm going to use as my people in the world, and I'm going to use this group of people to let the world know about me. And so as you do this, here's some things you need to make sure you understand. In Leviticus 2.13, it says this, and every oblation of thy meat offering shalt thou season with salt neither shalt thou suffer the salt of the covenant of thy God to be lacking from thy meat offering with all thine offerings shalt thou offer salt so we call it the salt of the covenant emphasizing this whole salt of the covenant if you look through he made, he said in all these offerings make sure you put salt on everything so it was the salt of the covenant. What was that concept? The salt of the covenant. The salt of the covenant emphasized the binding or the permanent nature of the stipulation or loyalty to the covenant. So what does salt do? Salt is something that preserves. Okay. In the back in the day, they said they thought that salt couldn't be burned. If you set salt on fire, it wouldn't be destroyed. And so salt represented preservation. Salt represented uh, a permanent nature. Salt represented something that could not change. And so what God told them in all these offerings, make sure you put salt on it, because what that does is it shows that this covenant that I have with you, what's a covenant? A covenant is a relationship between two people. And so God's covenant is how God is going to relate with you. And so God told them, you put salt on all these offerings, the salt of the covenant, because I'm going to show you and this salt is going to represent that this covenant, this relationship that we have, that I have with you, is binding. It's permanent. It's not going to change. Salt of the covenant. So salt was necessary for all these offerings to show the relationship between God and the people was presented as the covenant, and the salt reminded the people of it. Therefore, salt was a sign of the covenant. Salt was a sign of how God relates to us now. So when Jesus said, you are the salt of the earth, what Jesus was saying was that Christians, you now stand before mankind. You stand in Babylon as the visible sign of the new covenant that God has made with this world and Jesus Christ. So our words, our actions and life should manifest the covenant to all. We are the signs of the covenant. And so this whole salt of the earth represented the salt of the covenant. And so when Jesus says you are the salt, what did this salt do? Salt was a sign of the covenant. The salt was a sign to let them know that, hey, this relationship that God has with you is permanent. And it reminded them of it every time we use it. And so we, as a body of Christ, are signs of the covenant. That means that I'm supposed to let the world know. I'm supposed to let Babylon know of this new covenant. And our new covenant is the fact that wrapped up in Jesus Christ. Christ has entered our world. Christ has decided that I'm going to make a way out of all the sin that's going on, all the stuff that you're doing wrong. I'm going to make a way to remove the wrath of God. Bible says in Romans chapter three, verses 20. But now a righteousness from God has come. So God says, I'm going to give you the standard. That's what righteousness is, a standard. That standard is Jesus Christ. 
And so when Jesus said, you are the salt of the earth, he's referring back to Leviticus saying that, hey, you now are supposed to be a sign of this new covenant. So my responsibility in the body of Christ is that my words, my actions, and my life should show, should manifest the covenant to all. So the question is, does my life, do my words, do my actions, are they a sign to the world about Jesus Christ and what he's done for us and the relationship that Christ has for us? That's my responsibility. And so I need to check that. If you looked at the next verse, go back to Matthew. So the first thing I'm supposed to be is a salt. That means I'm supposed to be a sign. That means they should look at me. And also, by the way, my presence, think about salt in the world, acts as a preservation. And so as the world tries to go off and rot, my presence in the world should be salt, meaning that my presence, because I am a sign, because I'm reminding them of the new covenant, because I'm reminding them of Jesus Christ, I'm supposed to be just by my presence and my actions and my words and my lifestyle that deterrent from the world from getting worse and worse and worse and worse and worse and rotten because of the salt is there. Because I'm reminding them of Christ. I'm reminding them of their standard. I'm reminding them of what they're supposed to do. That's my responsibility. Back to Matthew chapter 5. It drops down to 14. Jesus said, not only are you the salt, but you are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick. And it giveth light unto all that are in the house. Verse 16. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your father, which is in heaven. Not only is my responsibility in Babylon is to be a salt of the covenant. That is a sign so they can see by my actions, by my life, Jesus Christ and understand this relationship that Christ has with the world. The other thing that the Bible says I'm supposed to be is a light, the light of the world. What does light do? Light chases away darkness, separates lights from death. Light provides a standard of goodness. We heard the term, hey, man, can you share some light on that topic? What does that mean? That means there's something I don't quite understand. And so what the term shed light means to give meaning to something. It orients, light orients. If it's dark and I'm trying to go somewhere and I don't, okay, which way do I need to go? Cut the light on. Okay, that's what I need to do. That's what I need to go. Light or, orients, it kind of lines you up in the right way that you're supposed to go. So I know where I'm going in the dark. And so what does that do? It gives meaning to, and it kind of lets you know where it's going. It kind of explains the world's history. I was reading about that. World's history, the events that happen outside of God are just events. If you put God out of the situation, you just got, oh, that happened and that happened and that happened. And there seems to be no rhyme or reason. There seems to be just all utter chaos. But because God is sovereign, what the light helps to do is to orient, kind of set. Oh, this is the way I'm supposed to go. What light helps to do, it kind of guides us or shows us light shines light. It, it does give light. It gives meaning to. So light are tools to reveal and give meaning to and bear witness to salvation. And so as the light, I am supposed to reveal, I'm supposed to give meaning to 
And lastly, I am supposed to be able to, I call it bear witness to Jesus Christ, to stand it. And so my responsibility, not only am I supposed to be a sign, so my actions, my words, are be able to reveal that Jesus Christ, the covenant, the relationship that Jesus has with you in Babylon, I'm also supposed to be the light in the world. That means I'm supposed to reveal, I'm supposed to give meaning to what goes on in life, and I'm supposed to bear witness to. And so as things happen in people's lives, my responsibility as to light is to bring meaning to that. How do I find that meaning? Through the word of God, through my relationship with Christ. And so these are two things that my responsibility is to be. The last one, I'm not going to spend a lot of time on it, but turn over to chapter 10, Matthew chapter 10, a couple of books over, a couple of chapters over, verse 16, Matthew 10, 16. In Babylon, how do I respond to atrocities? How do I respond to what I see going on? Well, let's understand how do I respond generally? Jesus gave us some direction. He said, okay, Olu, you're the salt of the earth. That means you're supposed to be a sign. People should be able to look at you and see Jesus Christ and the relationship that Christ has with the world. That should be evident in my talk, in my walk, in my actions, in my attitude, in the conversations that I bring up. I'm also supposed to be the light of the world, meaning I'm supposed to reveal to the world what the standard is. That means I'm supposed to give meaning to things that happen in life. So when situations happen and people start talking, hey, you heard about that thing that happened, that guy who was locked up in that room and he had them four kids with him? And that's just a terrible thing that happened. That's just, I can't believe that happened. What in the world? I tell you, this world's going crazy. That's an opportunity for me, being in the body of Christ, to now give meaning to what they saw, to give meaning to these topics that are happening in the world today. Hey, you know what? That is terrible. And it's, what's more terrible is the fact that that doesn't happen every day. What keeps everybody from doing that? You know, what is that? It's only the grace of God that that's not me, that won't you. And now I have opportunity to reveal to them and show and bear witness to Christ the standard. Even in that atrocity, I can do that. Why? Because that's what I'm here for as a light. Outside of God, this stuff is confusing, man. But my responsibility is to be the light. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 10, verse 16, Behold, I send you forth as sheep in the midst of wolves. Be ye therefore wise as serpents and harmless as doves. Turn to Luke 10, 3 also. A couple of books over Luke chapter 10, verse 3. Go your ways. Behold, I send you forth as lambs among wolves. Carry neither purse nor scrip nor shoes, and salute no man by the way. Behold, I send you as lambs among wolves. My responsibility, if we look at that, we can break that down a lot. Salt, light, lambs. He said, behold, I send you. So that right there gives me confidence. I'm supposed to go out in, in confidence. Why? Because I've been sent by the master. Therefore, all my authority I need as I enter the Babylon is wrapped up into that. Behold, I send you. So I don't have to go timid. I don't have to go wondering what should I say. I don't have to know hoping I say the right thing. Why? Because God has sent me. Christ has sent me. So I've got that. What? Want me to go? Okay, got it. Uh, why are you here? God sent me. Why are you always bringing up Christ? Because he told me to. Why are you always trying to turn the conversation to God? Because that's why I'm here. Because I'm supposed to be the salt. I'm supposed to be the light. And I've been sent. Not only said that, behold, I send you, it says as lamb. So what does that mean? That means mildly. That means when I, 
As I'm out there in Babylon, I'm supposed to be gentle. And I'm supposed to be inoffensive. I'm not out there, hey, you heathen, liar, son of a... That's not how I'm supposed to go out. The Bible says I'm going out as a lamb. So I go out mildly. I already got the confidence with me now to go mildly. And it said among wolves. That means I'm supposed to go out realistically. Christ said, I want you to know it's not going to be fun out there. It's not going to be easy out there. People are going to laugh at you. People are going to look at you weird. People are going to think you're strange. People are going to abuse you. People are going to harm you. People are going to talk about you. People are not going to want to be around you. Understand, you're going amongst the wolves when you go out there. But remember, you can go in confidence because I've sent you. Expect contrast. Expect opposition. Then he said, carry neither. And he lists some things that he told him not even to worry about carrying. That means don't go in there with a lot of extra stuff. Don't go in there depending on other things other than what I'm sending you with. And so make sure that I go in there dependent on God when I go. And I like that part when it says, carry neither purse, nor script, nor shoes, and salute no man by the way. That means don't go in there with any frill or craziness. Just go straight. Handle your business. Don't get this. Hey, hey, what's going on with you? Hey, you know what? Blah, blah, blah. No, no, no. We got time for that. We're here on business. So make sure when you go, you go seriously. Don't be speaking along, drawing out empty words or empty compliments. Make sure you're friendly, but don't waste time. Get to work. Don't waste time. Why? Because we're in Babylon. And we're here on a mission. And so actively, my response in this world, and I'm saying a lot of this, and I think it's very timely, because there are a lot of topics and situations that are going on uh, in the world right now. And I think I'm looking at our response to the body of Christ, and I don't think that we are responding as we should in the body of Christ. And I had to look at Olu as I was studying for this message and start looking at how I respond to some of these things that I see in the world. Because we are affected by a lot of things, how we were raised, experiences we've been through, and we kind of have our own worldview, our own ideas how things should happen. And so if things don't line up with our ideas that we create, we respond either this way or that way. What I'm learning as I'm studying the Word of God, as I'm studying Daniel, is that it doesn't matter how I was raised, it doesn't matter what I think, it doesn't matter how I think something happened, the responsibility that I have as the body of Christ is to be salt, light, and, and a lamb. And so I, as the body of Christ, need to start thinking differently than the world thinks. I have to think differently than Babylon thinks. I have to look at the world differently than how Babylon looks at it. I, it's my responsibility, is to think biblically. So I'm supposed to think differently. I'm supposed to, as the body of Christ, think biblically. So every situation, everything that's popular in the news, everything that goes on, my response should be, okay, what does the Bible say about this situation? Because the Bible has it. It's there. So I need to understand my role, who I am, and act accordingly. So I need to think biblically about the same problems and the same questions that everyone else is talking about. 
So as our politicians talk about certain issues, I'm supposed to think biblically about that. Not like they think about it, but biblically. As uh, the people in my job talk about certain issues and topics, I'm supposed to enter as salt and light and bring the biblical perspective to that conversation. As my friends are having a conversation and my friends are talking about this and that, my responsibility is to enter that conversation and bring the biblical point of view to that situation. So first I got to know what the Bible says about it. Then I have to respond that way. I need to respond like salt, like light and sheep. I should not respond like Babylon and how they respond. One of the, one of the uh, main topics that's going on right now is what's going on at the border. You heard about what's going on at the border and uh, the news about the border and, you know, ripping kids away from their families and people are coming in and all this kind of stuff is going on. And there are tense conversations about this. What should happen? What should happen on both sides of the board? I don't know how familiar you are with what's going on, but it's, it's a popping topic right now. And in looking at that, there are interesting points of views from all sides of the table, the aisle, however you want to talk about it. But according to the word of God, my responsibility is to think differently. I should not think how the politicians think on this topic. I should not think how the media thinks on this topic. I should not think about how the people around the water cooler talk about this topic. My responsibility is to think biblically. And so the question is, what is God's response to this whole situation? And so we're talking about people, and, and it's complicated. It's not an easy, easy situation. It's a complicated situation. And so the response is, okay, what is as salt, as light, and as a lamb, what does the scripture says about this? And to make sure I represent that and see what I need to do to make sure that that happens. And so I think biblically. And so what's God's view of the family? That's one of the things you can look at. What does the Bible say about the family? What's interesting is, as a side note, it's funny to me when you turn on uh, the TV or you hear the news pundits, it's, it's so interesting to me how all of a sudden everybody is so concerned about the family structure. Oh my goodness, can you believe they're ripping up families at the border? Kids are being torn away from their parents. Just families are, this administration has no care about families. And it's, it's funny to me, not funny like ha ha, but funny like, oh, so now you care about the family structure. So, 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 so we care about families now. So where, where was your care about families when I was, when I'm on the interstate and I saw this sign, $99 divorces. Get out of your marriage now for just $99. Like, wait a minute. <laughs> Should we be promoting getting out of a marriage on the side of the road? And should it only cost $99? <laughs> like, what in the world? But the world doesn't look at family. It's, it's not, family's not a big thing. You and the family, we talk about today's Father's Day. Boy, if you're having a hard time, that wife ain't acting right, them children ain't right, for $99, you can bounce, B. For $99, you can get out of that whole thing. Why? Because you don't care about families. You care about self. Let's look at situations where you have the family structure according to the word God, because God, God is the one who defined what family is. Okay, we get our definition of what a family is from God. And so the Bible says a family is a father, one father, mother, one mother, and then the children. And that's what a family structure is. And so when the world talks about family, 
because that word only comes from the Bible. That concept comes from God. That has to line up with God. And so when they say, oh, you can have a family, you can have two mommies. You can have two daddies. No, that, that's not the structure of a family. But you care about families now. You, you, you care about family. And let's not talk about abortions. That's what I talk about. You're talking about rip away children? I mean, literally, abortion is ripping away children. That's literally what we're doing. But that's a side note. But let's, let's just assume that the world cares now about families all of a sudden. The question is, what is my response? And so I look at what the scripture says, and we talked about this in Daniel. Because remember, what was, the main, what was one of the main reasons why Jesus, why God was sending the Israelites into Babylon for punishment? Remember, we talked about that. One of the main things, and we saw it in Ezekiel, we saw it in Jeremiah, we saw it in Isaiah. The problem was not only had they rebelled against God, but God constantly brought up the fact that they were not being fair to aliens, to sojourners, and to people who were coming into their country. He told them that. That was one of the main reasons why God was bringing judgment, because of how they treated people who were less than them, who were lower than them, perceived less, perceived lower, and people who were coming through their country. And so based on that, I need to look at what the Bible says about the alien or the sojourner or people who are escaping things or people who are trying to move on. As we look at that, the Bible says that my response biblically is compassion and openness rather than defensiveness and hostility. That's what the Bible says. I'm supposed to show compassion. That's... The standard there. Why? Because as a salt, I'm supposed to be a sign of the new covenant. And the new covenant, the relationship that Jesus has, he says that be kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as Christ for God's sake has forgiven you. We talked about the great commandment. We talked about the great commandment one and two. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind and soul and love your neighbor as yourself. And so the standard that I'm supposed to represent is this. What I'm supposed to reveal or share meaning to in this light is what does the Bible say? So if you have some children who are down there who, for whatever reasons, are not with their parents, those children should be treated in a certain way, biblically. Those people who are coming through need to be treated a certain way, biblically. And so the question is, how do we, as the body of Christ, make sure that we are like salt and lambs in this situation? I haven't heard a lot. I heard a lot of churches and a lot of church folks saying the same rhetoric that I hear the politicians say and the same rhetoric I heard the media say. I heard a lot of that. But I don't hear biblically. And so I'm, 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 I look at it and I want to say, OK, as a body of Christ, what is our response and what do we do based on that response? Because that's why we're here. And I use that topic because it's, it's a it's a it's a famous one right now. Uh, but I, it's, it's just not single to that particular issue. Every issue that's out there, every atrocity, everything that's going on. My responsibility in Babylon is to be like Daniel. The Bible says Daniel walked in there with boldness, and he went right up to them, and he held Belshazzar and all those people in there to a standard. The standard that he held them to was the word of God. The standard that God has revealed to us is his word. In the beginning was the word, the word was with God, and the word was God. The word is Jesus Christ. And so I need to be a sign 
of the relationship that Christ has with the world in the world. I need to be a light. I need to shed meaning on things that are going on. Why? Because that's my responsibility. And I do that with confidence because God sent me. I do that mildly. I do that realistically, understanding what's going against me. I do that depending on God, and I get to work. And I don't waste time. Let's make sure, church, that as we are in this world, that we are those three things. And so like Daniel, we can go in with boldness and reveal what the standard is that God said on this topic. I don't know what we can do. Maybe we can talk about it uh, offline, as they say in work, you know, and, and figure out how can what what is our response? Because I was thinking about that. And again, it, it matters not your political lean. It matters not which side of the aisle you on. It matters not. None of that matters. What matters is what does God say? And I was thinking about them kids that are out there and, you know, their reasons that their parents, they put them in jail. The kids are out there. And I'm wondering, are the kids be, being treated with compassion? You know, is it about playing with the kids? Is anybody talking with the kids? Or are they really just not being treated well? And I'm wondering what we can do as a body, even as a local body, about them kids that are down there. Make sure we confront in boldness with the awesome power of God. Don't just study the word, just study doctrine only, but make sure we apply that action. Why? Because as we learn, there needs to be a change. Let's understand our responses to God's equity. God to us and us to God. Let's make sure that, that we are treating people fairly and that we are treating people according to a standard and that standard is how Christ does. And make sure that our response and solutions come from who we are. We are salt, we are light, and we are lambs. And above all else, make sure that we think biblically. Father, we love you. We thank you for your word, God. I pray, God, that you will help us to think biblically. I pray that you will help us to shed aside all of our own inner ideas, our ideologies, our, our responses to things, God. But that we respond how your word says we should respond, God. I pray, God, that you help me, O Lord God, that I will be sought, God. That I would be able to be out in the world and by my life, by my actions, by my words, God. I will show you, Jesus Christ, and the covenant that you have and how this covenant is binding and how you're going to hold up to your end of the deal, God. That you so love the world that you gave your son. That whoever believes should not perish but have everlasting life, God. I pray that you help me, God, be a light that I will reveal the standard of your word, the standard of Jesus Christ, God, that I will bring meaning to the situations of life, the situations of individuals that people go through, God, and I will bear witness of you and all I say and I do and I think, God. And I pray that I'll do this as you send us out in boldness, God, mildly, God, that I will go out with no distractions and I will get to work and do exactly what you want me to do, God. I pray for everyone in the sound of my voice, God, that we will be a church, we will be a body who thinks differently, but think biblically, God. And that each one of us, no matter our age, no matter our, 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 our where we are in this world, God, or where we are in society, God, that each one of us will be salt, will be light, and will be lambs, and we will transform this world for you, God, and be world engines here in Babylon. We love you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Followers of the Way podcast. If you like more information about Followers of the Way Church, visit our Facebook page at www.facebook.com forward slash FOTW Church. 
Again, that's www.facebook.com forward slash FOTW Church. We trust and hope that you've enjoyed hearing God's word and how to apply it to our lives. Our podcast is updated weekly, so remember to follow us here at Followers of the Way. Followers of the Way.